0: A couple months ago, I was feeding my son, who at this point he 's i don 't know ten months uh, dinner and it 's me, my dad, him in his high chair at the dinner table and Something you need to know about me and my dad is we are a loud family, we talk pretty loud we 're lo- that loud and boisterous family and it 's like the whole whole mashhad side is like that um, and so i 'm feeding him we 're talking and, and one thing that starts to happen is. Our volume, you know, starts down here, and we're talking, and then we're going down memory lane, and we're like, "Well, you did this," and our volume just keeps getting louder, and pretty soon we're yelling, um, and my son is looking at us the whole time, like, "What are you doing?" And now babies do this thing where they actually mimic; it's like a monkey, monkey see, monkey do type of thing. And so he's sitting there, hearing us get louder and louder and louder, and he wants in on the fun too, and so he starts getting louder and louder and louder. But the problem is, he doesn't talk. So he's just like, da ah! oh, he's just making all sorts of noise, laughing along with us. It's the funniest thing in the world. We're all getting loud and laughter, and my wife walks down the stairs and just puts her head in her hands like, oh, he's going to be a mashad. My wife is the the calmest, quietest person, and so her marrying into my family was a, a, a Um, sacrifice for her. And so just to have James now also be a full-blown mashad is like, there you go, honey. (laughs) But we, we were influencing my son, right? My dad and I were influencing him to be louder. That's the mimicking thing, though. That's not just a baby thing. We all do that. Uh, I think for me, it most often happens where I'll pick up a word or a phrase from my friends, and that'll just be, like, come into my vocabulary. For this, it happens, I had a friend in Colorado who, when you're talking to him and he's agreeing with you, instead of him saying, like, yep, yep, I, totally, I understand, he would say totally. Yeah. But with, like, Californian surfer, dude, like, totally, totally, dude, totally. If I had a five-minute conversation with him, I was saying totally like that for the next week. Like, it just happened. He had that influence on me. Our friends have that influence on us. Whether it's a good or silly thing or or sometimes it's a bad thing, our friends have influence on us. So how do we know, how can we navigate friendships to to make sure that they're good influences? That's what we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks is real friendships, how can we have real friendships with people, uh, with, with those around us, with our friends that can help us get closer to Jesus? What is even a, what, what would you even say a real friend is? Well, maybe it's somebody who you've been friends with for a really long time. You've been, uh, grew, you've grown up together and you just know them. Or maybe it's somebody that's helped you get through a really hard time in your life Maybe somebody who has seen you at your worst and still wants to be your friend. Those are some real friends. Maybe it's uh, somebody who helps you get closer to Jesus. I wouldn't say maybe to that one. I'd say probably a real friend should help you get closer to Jesus. But we're going to talk about that. What makes somebody a real friend? How can we be better friends? How can we even find better friends? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight how uh, real friends choose each other wisely. Talking about influence, that influence can be good or it can be bad. When I was in seventh grade, I jumped onto a new soccer team, I played soccer at the time, and it was a grade up. So I was a seventh grader playing with eighth graders, didn't know any of them, and I thought they were really cool. And I saw their lives and it looked awesome. lived their lives according to what they said was right, uh, according to what they wanted to do in the moment. So they were chasing girls, they were chasing drugs, they were chasing grades, they were chasing uh, fame in in soccer, they were chasing these worldly things, they were chasing meaningless things. And I thought, oh, that looks so much fun. You don't have a care in the world, I want that in my life. And I let them, now, I want to be really clear, I did those things. But my friendships with them had a role in influencing me. They they distracted me from what really mattered. They they focused on on things that uh, I knew I I didn't want to be a part of. They pressured me to be somebody that I'm not. I ended up doing things that I said I would never do in those relationships, with those friendships, they, I did things that I knew that God didn't want me to do. What do we do in those situations? When we know that these relationships, these friendships aren't good for me, I didn't like who I was becoming, How do we, what do we do in those moments? Whenever we ask that question, I think it's really helpful to turn to the Bible. So we're gonna open up into Psalms chapter one. Psalms should be pretty right in the middle of your Bible. It's page 448, you can open up, and we'll be in chapter one right there at the top left of your page. It'll also be on the screens. So let's see what it says: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners." nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's an incredible picture, right? Like, that's so peaceful. That, that idea that we can be a tree planted by water and growing up to have Life and to be healthy, and not just eternal life, but a life right now. Like, it's painting this picture that if, if we are close to Jesus, we'll grow in uh, to a healthy, vibrant, abundant life. But that life, notice, it, it happens away from bad influence. This side, trees over here. Away from bad influence. It's that we're not walking with these, people who are not following the Bible, not listening to God. So what does this mean? Do we need to have perfect friends? If somebody screws up, do we just, all right, well, peace, see you later. I can't be your friend anymore. Do we have to have friends that are followers of Jesus? What is, like If that's the case, then if we have to be perfect to be somebody's friend, we're all going to be lonely because nobody's perfect. How do we navigate this if we know that it, it's almost an impossibility. Let's look at how Jesus approached his friendships. Uh, don't, don't worry about turning to this one. We'll be flipping to Matthew. If you want to follow along, we're in Matthew. Uh, you can flip to, if you want, flip to Matthew 9. I want to take a look at how Jesus interacted with his friends, how he approached his friends, because he should be the one that we're following, right? So Matthew 9, verse 9 says this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So what's going on here? Well, I want to maybe break and give you a little bit of historical context. What is going on in the first century, in, in uh, 30 AD, of, of what What's going on here? Well, so he mentioned Matthew, a tax collector, kind of in a negative light. Why is that? Well, this uh, realm, the Jewish people, Jerusalem, Israel, was governed by the Roman Empire. And because they're Rome, they can impose taxes, right? Well, they don't collect those taxes themselves. They employ uh, local people to do that for them, tax collectors. And what these tax collectors did is they were, one, corrupt, and so they would, okay, Rome wants this much, I'm gonna, if Rome wants four, I'm gonna take eight, and I'm gonna pocket four of that. So they were cheating their fellow countrymen, uh, their fellow uh, Jews, to make, to get rich off of them. They were, it, it was like the worst of the worst. They were socially outcasted, despised because of, they were cheating people. They were corrupt. And, and not only were they they're doing that, but it was almost worse because if Rome does that, if the Romans do that, like, whatever, they're Rome, Roman, we don't like them in the first place. But you're our country, you're our brother, and you're doing this to us. So it's even like another level of, like, socially uh, outcasted, despised, despicable person. And these are the people that Jesus says, come and follow me. In fact, he even takes it one step further and says, uh, I'm going to share a meal with you. And again, back in in this first century time, when you shared a meal with somebody, you were identifying with them. You were saying, these are my people. I like these guys. These are my friends. These are who I'm going to hang out with. But I thought we just talked about in Psalm 1 that these are the people that we're supposed to avoid right like if you if you asked a first century jewish person like when you think about psalm 1 who do you think about tax collector would be a pr- pretty high up answer you're not supposed to hang out with these people and yet jesus that's what he does how do how do we what do we do with that this was Jesus' way of saying i am here for everyone no one is socially outcasted enough or, or despicable enough or despised enough by culture or by others to be outside of Jesus' concern and invitation. No one is outside of his concern or invitation. You are not outside his concern or invitation. He says to them, follow me and I will give you life. That tree that's planted by the water, I will give you life you can grow healthy and strong. Come and follow me. Jesus wasn't just thoughtlessly hanging out with people either. He wasn't he didn't just come alongside Matthew like, well, hey, you look fun, come follow me. He was intentional in who he chose. He sought out specific people like Matthew. And he let himself be open to making new friendships. And in fact, he went out of his way to make sure that those people felt comfortable to just be real, be who they are when they're with him. You didn't have to be perfect to hang out with Jesus. He didn't let sinners or religious leaders around him distract him from his mission. Instead, he influenced everyone around him for the better. Jesus shows us it's not about removing ourselves from the world. It's not about removing ourselves from people, but it's about influencing them for him. He influenced others and not and still wasn't influenced by them. And that's not to say that Jesus didn't have friends. We see he had friends here, but if you keep reading in Matthew into Matthew 10, you, we see that he actually had 12 disciples. His disciples were people that followed closely to Jesus and uh, were his closest followers and friends. And he had 12 of them. But then even within that 12, there were three that were even in another kind of deeper level of friendship with him. It's like layers of an onion. Like there's people that he's influencing, but he has his 12 that are in his circle. And then even within that, there's another three that's in an inner circle people that he would do life with that would be an an encouragement to him and he could be an encouragement to and people that uh, he could love and be loved by and and pray for and be prayed by with, uh, people that he did life with. Just like how Jesus picked his friends from a place of wisdom and love, we can learn to do the same way through his example. Real friends don't have to be perfect but real friends choose each other wisely. How do we get out of those situations, though? If, we're, if we feel like we're in a friendship that isn't healthy, how, what do we do with that? Well, I think of this of, of a riptide. Uh, if you've been to the beach, you might know what this is for or what this is. Uh, I first experienced a riptide. My family went on a, a beach vacation, and my brother and I, we decided we want to learn how to surf. Uh, so it was our second day learning how to surf, and we ended up at this beach which had pretty big waves. Uh, the smallest one was about five foot, so from me to about my sh- or the stage to about my shoulder. The largest was about ten feet, so like you to the top of my fingers, like like this. Like that's that's pretty intimidating when you're down on a surfboard. Uh, and I quickly like figured out like yeah, this ain't for me. I need to get in to shore before I drown. But I found myself stuck in a riptide. In a riptide, so water is, is crashing against the beach uh, through waves, but it needs to get back out to the ocean. And so it almost like creates this channel of water that pulls, uh, that is going back out to sea. And I was stuck in this riptide, and it was a strong one. And I'm trying to get in, but it seems like every time I, I can maybe make some progress, I'm pushed 20 feet back out. And when you're stuck in a riptide, you have three options, the first, You can just chill and wait for the riptide to take you out as far as it will take you and then figure out what you want to do there when you're 200, 300, 400, 500 yards off shore and hope somebody's around to take you back. You can fight against it, and I was trying to do that, but failing, uh, and I was stuck. Or what I eventually remembered what you had to do is you had to swim out of the riptide. That's what this is talking about. To escape, you got to go out and then you can get to where you want to go. Sometimes friendships can feel like you're stuck in a riptide. You might realize that the people around me are influencing me, are pulling me to places I don't want to go. And you have three options. You can go with the flow and just go with what's happening, and you might end up pretty far from where you want to be. You can fight it, you can maybe try and be a good influence, follow what, what, like what Jesus did, and, and hey, I can be an influence for good for these people and, and overwhelm the bad influence, and that can work. It's pretty exhausting, though. And if you're like me and stuck in, in this situation, I, I couldn't. I couldn't fight against it. And sometimes you need to take a deep breath and say, okay, I need to remove myself from this situation. Sometimes we need to get out of the riptide. When we rethink, adjust, or sometimes even remove ourselves from relationships that are influencing us in a negative way, it doesn't mean that we give up on people. Hear that. It doesn't mean that we take our friends and turn them into enemies. We do this through love. This isn't a license to say, all right, well, done with you. No, no, we want to love that person well in how Jesus would. Jesus wasn't worried about anyone influencing him. Uh, And now the reason for that is he was God. We're not. So keep that in mind. Jesus was God. We're not. You and I are just human, and that's why we need the wisdom to know when a friendship is taking us somewhere we don't want to go. And sometimes the most loving thing that we can do is remove ourselves. For both ourselves and the other person is to do something about it in a loving way. So how can we choose our friends more wisely? How can we be a positive influence in the world without being negatively influenced by others? What do we do do if a friendship no longer seems healthy or wise and what do we do if this whole conversation feels meaningless because we don't have that many friends to begin with? There are some questions I wanna leave you with that I want you to reflect on, that I want you to answer for yourselves. Three questions. And talk about these in your small groups. Talk about them with your leader. Think about them yourself. Talk about them with a parent, a mentor, someone you trust. They're going to be on sheets of paper on the two high tops on your way out the door. Grab it and bring it with you to your small groups. It will have these three questions written on it. Write down your answers. Three questions I want you to think about this week. Tonight, this week, going forward. First question how are my friendships influencing me in which direction are your friendships taking you are they pushing you to grow and to know Jesus more or are they pulling you away from him toward things that are destructive or harmful how are my friendships influencing me first question second question how am I influencing my friends What impact would your friends say you have on them? Or are are you just going with the flow and not impacting anybody? Are there ways you can look for to influence your friends better? How can you do each of those things by showing the real love of Jesus? How am I influencing my friends? Second question. Third question. How can I be more wise with my friendships? What new friendships do you need to make? What current friendships do you need to adjust that need to change, that you need to say, hey, I want to follow Jesus, come with me. I want to get closer to him. I want to be like a tree planted by streams of of water. Come with me. What friendships do you need to walk away from? And that's a hard process. That's a hard, messy, painful process. But which friendships do you need to walk away from? And how, most importantly, how can you do each of those things loving like Jesus? I keep saying that because that is a crucial part to this. How can we do those things loving like Jesus? How can we be more wise with our friendships? Third question. Real friendship isn't about being perfect or surrounding ourselves with perfect people, but real friendships should keep you moving in the right direction towards Jesus. That's possible when we when we remember we have to choose our friends wisely. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. You've put people around us to both pull us towards you and that we can be an influence on on pushing towards you. We can't do it alone. It's it's hard, it's messy. We need you. So would you show us? would you be prompting us? would you help us understand how we can choose our friends wisely? Would we walk with you through those process through those uh, relationships, through those friendships? You are so good. In your name. Amen. Grab a sheet on your way out to your small groups. Leaders, questions in the back.